Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. In your notes there, I just wrote this out from uh, Elmer Towns, co-founder of uh, Liberty University, co-founder along with Jerry Falwell, also pastor, author, etc. And he said, an evangel evangelical re uh, revival is an extraordinary work of God in which Christians repent of their sins as they become intensely aware of his presence in their midst. And they manifest a positive response to God and renewed obedience to his known will and resulting in both a deepening of their individual and corporate experience with God and an increased concern to win others to Christ. And that kind of says it all, kind of sums it up. Most people think, well, revival, we thank God for the, yes, workings of healings and, and, and that sort of thing. But notice the very first thing is you're consciously aware of the intense presence of God that is manifested among the people. Not just an emotional feeling, but a place that takes you into the realm of holiness. You know how holy God, like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. You talk about a revival in his life. Well, when it comes to the presence of God, and that's why we should gather, we want his presence. We want to create a habitation for him, okay? So in Exodus chapter 33, I want to read this quickly from the Message Bible, and then a few comments from the English uh, Standard Version of the Bible. So let's read, first of all, from the Message Bible. And listen to this language. When you, and think about a conversation that you might be having with God. This is what Moses is talking to God about. God said to Moses, now go, get on your way from here, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Head for the land which I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel ahead of you. I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. It's a land flown with milk and honey, but I won't be with you in person. You're such a stubborn, hard-headed people, lest I destroy you on the journey. Oh, okay. When the people heard this harsh verdict, they were plunged into gloom and wore long faces. No one put on jewelry. God said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you're one hard-headed people. I couldn't stand being with you for even a moment. Whoa. I destroy you. So take off all your jewelry until I figure out what to do with you. Wow. Moses used to take the tent and set it up outside the camp some distance away. He called it the tent of meeting. 
Oh, they stripped off all their jewelry first and they went to Horeb. Anyone who sought God would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. It went like this. When Moses would go to the tent, all the people would stand at attention. Each man would take his position at the entrance to his tent with his eyes on Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud descended to the entrance to the tent and God spoke with Moses. All the people would see the pillar of cloud or the presence of God at the entrance to the tent, stand at attention, and then bow down in worship, each man at the entrance to his tent. And God spoke to Moses face to face as neighbors speak to one another. When he would return to the camp, his attendant, the young man, Joshua, stayed. He didn't leave the tent. Moses said to God, look, you tell me. Now listen to this. Look, you tell me. Lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. You tell me. I know you well, and you are, a speci- you are special to me. If I'm so special to you, let me in on your plans. That way I will continue being special to you. Don't forget, this is your people. Your responsibility, he's telling this to God. <laughs> and God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this strip off right now. <laughs> How else will it be known that you're with me in this, with me and your people? Are you traveling with us or not? Again, he's talking to God. <laughs> How else will we know that we're special, I and your people, among all other people on this planet Earth? God said to Moses, all right, just as you say, this also will I do, or I will do, for I know you well, and you are special to me. I know you by name. Moses said, please, let me see your glory. God said, I will make my goodness pass right in front of you. I'll call out the name God, right before you, I'll treat well whomever I want to treat well, and I'll be kind to whomever I want to be kind. God continued, but you may not see my face. No one can see me and live. God said, look, here is a place right beside me. Put yourself on this rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back, but you won't see my face. What a conversation. There's some things we learn here, quickly we'll go through this, about the presence of God when in manifestation. First of all, number one, it can be dangerous. Look at verse 3 again in the ESV. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Mm. Okay, they were God's people, but they were stiff-necked. They were sinful people. God's a holy God. They said, if my presence is profoundly manifested to you in that state, you're going to die. So it could be dangerous to have really a great manifestation of God's presence. Secondly, it demands humility. Look at verses 4 through 6. It demands humility. He says, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments or jewelry. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people, If for a single moment I should go up among you, I should consume you. So now take off your ornaments or jewelry that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. It could have been the whole time that they were there in the wilderness. They took off their jewelry, wouldn't wear their jewelry. So there could be two reasons. Number one, because they were prideful and they were just showing off what they had. Or it could be because they used it to make a molten calf and sin against God. 
So humility is essential if you really want to have a greater manifestation of the presence of God. Number three, it creates worship. We don't have to tell someone to worship. Look at the next verse. Verse 10, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Man, when they saw that presence and manifestation, reminds me when I was over there at the prayer mountain, I saw the glory just standing over there. I'll tell you what, you don't, you don't have to prod somebody to worship. And that's how we want to have it here. We want a cloud to be seen here. Next, it involves intimacy. Look at verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So notice when it says face to face, it's not talking about a literal face to face talk with God. It's talking about intimacy, a fellowship, a friendship that they had. And he's talking to him sincerely. And so when God's presence is in manifestation, we should treat it that way. It's intimate, an intimate relationship and fellowship with God. It requires God's favor. Look at verses 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find, in your, find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this people is your people. And so we see here favor is necessary. The favor of God was upon him because he was cooperating with him to carry out the purpose of his will. God also gives rest in his presence. Look at this next verse. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He's talking about when I get you into the promised land, my presence will be manifested there among you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide rest for you. You're going to cease from all the warfare that you've been involved in and all that. You're going to have a place of just peace, tranquility, and rest in the promised land. That's what they had awaiting them that they refused to go into. Next, God's presence is absolutely necessary. And I'll tell you what, no truer words were ever spoken. Look at the verse. He said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. God's presence is necessary to accomplish what we need to accomplish. If you recall the story when they came out of, of uh, Egypt and they were going to go to the promised land, they refused to act on the word and they refused to get into the promised land. What happened? After he, God pronounced judgment on them, they said, we're going to go now. And, God, and Moses said, don't go now. His presence isn't going with you. The ark's going to stay right here. Don't try to go on your own. Try to go on their own. And what happened? They got defeated. I don't get it. When they could have gone, they didn't. When they were told not to go, they did. It's almost mindless, isn't it? But the point is, don't try to do anything without the presence of God. It's a dangerous thing to try to do things on our own and not include the presence of God. It's a bad idea, which is what it was for them because they died. And then finally, God's presence reveals his glory. In verse 17, he's just, that's where it starts there. But we'll just read the one verse um, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, which means show me your glory for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. 
And so the glory was manifested to him in a limited way. He saw his back parts, but not his face because he would have died. Well, the conclusion is this. This laid a foundation for the better covenant that we have today. Sin robbed them of the presence of God, but not of his promise. You see, he fulfilled the promise to get him in. You know what, beloved? Is this a wonderful thing? Sin can never rob us of the presence of God. You know why? Because of 1 John 1, 7 through 9, the blood of Jesus. Let's read it. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so all we have to do is take a dip in the blood. And guess what? His presence never leaves us. We might break fellowship, but we don't break relationship and his presence never leaves us. So you know what? You want his presence? All we have to do is humble ourselves, repent of anything, and just honor him, cooperate with him, make ourselves available to him, worship him, and have a desire within. So let's do as we've been doing on Wednesday evenings to let him know that we want to create a habitation for his presence. We confess anything that would be offensive to him, any fault, any shortcoming, any failure, any inadequacy in our parts, any, anything whatsoever, just not individually, even as a corporate body of believers, whatever. We, God wants us to be transparent and open before him.